0: This is MuggleCast, MuggleNet.com's brand new podcasting feature, episode 1, for August 7th, 2005. If you haven't finished reading Book 6 yet, please do not listen to this podcast, as we do talk about several different spoilers. Welcome to MuggleCast. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Andrew Sims. And I'm
1: Kevin Stuck. This is the first edition of a brand new feature brought to you by MuggleNet.com. Each week, our discussion will be centered around one topic. This week, we will be discussing the recently released sixth book, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. But first, we need to take a look at this past week's news. Within the past week, we've seen a lot of news for the fourth movie, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. A lot of brand new pictures have also been released. Kevin and Andrew, what do you guys think?
0: Okay, well, I'm really thinking this uh, movie is going to be one of the best ones yet. And I said that about Prisoner of Azkaban, too. But this one, I really think, is going to be good. Um... The director Mike Newell, uh, he directed Mona Lisa Smile, Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, and he did some TV series. And but if you look at his like past um, experience with movies, Goblet of Fire hasn't really fit in with it. But what from what I see, I think it's going to look be looking pretty good. See, see,
2: the thing is that I think this this movie is going to be better for the Harry Potter fans. As opposed to Prisoner of Azkaban, which was better for the person who has never read Harry Potter before. Yeah. It, the problem that everyone everyone had a problem with Prisoner of Azkaban because it cut out so much stuff that we deemed vital in the Harry Potter fandom. I agree you know? with you to an extent, but see, the problem was with Prisoner of Azkaban is that a lot of
1: things really weren't explained. Like, why why did Harry cast a stag at the end of the movie to save him, to save his his past self. A lot yeah. of things really weren't explained in Prison of Azkaban. Um, and especially it's really going to be hard to please the Harry Potter purists, so to speak.
2: Same thing with and, the uh, Marauders, Marauder's Map. I mean, that plays a key role in the future books, and they didn't even explain where
0: it came from. You know? yeah, and Alfonso, he was very like artistic. When you looked at the movie, you were like, you know, it was all about the camera shots with him yep. and stuff like yep. that. Yep. And like it's I still... said, I mean, it's it's the best movie for people who are just coming in
2: to watch a good movie. It's not it's not a movie for those who have read all the books religiously and then you know, right. decided, hey, I want to see this movie because it's a Harry Potter movie.
1: Right, but we have you to know. realize is that Warner Brothers isn't about that. They're not about pleasing the Harry Potter purists, like I said. Yeah. They're more about making the millions and millions of dollars, pleasing the average Joe and his kids, and that type of thing. And with the new, with the, the upcoming movie, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I have i have several problems with it that are going to pretty much make a lot of people mad. I'd like to point out, in the recent like some of the photos we've seen recently there was one of the four Triwizard champions you can see this picture on the side if you haven't seen it yet but it has it has harry cedric victor crumb and floor delacour standing on dock and the only problem is is that cedric that um, victor crumb is short and stocky when he was supposed to be tall and skinny just things like this is what are, is what's going to, going to upset people.
2: Yeah, but I don't I don't think the small details are really that important. I mean, yes, it helps the characterization, but it really doesn't. I think that what people are concerned with is getting the overall plot of the movie out, and yeah. what a lot of people are concerned with is that the movie is going to be at most three hours long, and we're looking at a book that was upwards of, what, 600 pages? 700 pages. Exactly. And it's obviously had to cut a bunch of stuff. We have a bunch of pictures showing at least two, what, two of the tasks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. meaning that they're filling all that time with the Triwizard tasks, which is good, but at the same time, you're losing all that back information about Hogwarts. Yeah, I think
0: that's going to be one of the main things that they promote in this movie and i think the tribe wizard tournament is going to be the real thing that they focus on the teaser trailer the new website the goblet of fire uh website yep. it's all surrounded by the tournament and um i really think that's what it's going to do
2: now, now do you think they're going to include um the the that scene in the beginning with voldemort do actually you, do you think i that, think that because it was a violent s- scene but you see, know. the
1: issue is, they said that Harry's not going to be at the Dursleys. So what I what I foresee happening is Harry um, having that dream and then waking up at the Burrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, oh yeah. Where because they said the Dursleys have been cut from *Goblet of Fire*.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: but even that, that scene, do you
2: actually movies. think they're going to show it? Do Do we have a rating
1: for this movie yet? I haven't heard anything. Have you? <laughs> um,
0: actually, um, I who was it? I think it was IMDb posted. Um, I'm not sure who exactly, but someone said it was PG. Although the Goblet of Fire website um, still says not, not yet, yet rated, rated. but it I think it's pretty much assumed it's going to be PG. Yeah, but
2: isn't that information posted on the on the web? I mean, aren't they required well, to uh, display the rating of a film before it's released? Absolutely, but
0: it hasn't been. They it yeah, hasn't yeah, gone yeah. to the MPAA yet. Yeah, that's true, and it's such a long.
2: I mean, it's a couple months away, but at the same time, it's sort of, uh, you know, they can cut it as close as they want, so long as they have it up in time for people to know what the rating is, you know. And
0: I think it would be stupid for Warner Brothers to try to go for a PG thirteen, although that might appeal to more adults. But you, it would be shooting themselves in the foot. Well, personally, I think I think
1: that, I think that the movie. Is going to be dark enough than the past movies that it's going, it's going to need to be rated PG-13. Because it's, it's, if we want to give the movie an appropriate rating, based off the book, I think the book would should be PG-13. Because after the death that's happened in the book and all those things, but see, the difference comes in is that when people read the book, when an eight-year-old reads the book... It's just their own imagination, and they may not yeah, really it's understand the death, right? But then when they watch the movie, they're going to see Cedric Diggory die. They're going to see all these things happen, which is where, where the real issue comes in. So I feel that it's going to have to be rated PG-13. It's, do well,
0: eight-year-olds really read this book? Is is it? Cause well, brother, quite a few kids do.
2: I, I mean, just, it's not really
0: the eight-year-olds reading it. It's their parents reading it to the eight-year-olds. That's true. Um, and I, the problem Kids would be so intimidated by the length of it. Like, I mean, like unless you're really into Harry Potter, yeah. so an average kid who just happens to maybe want to get into it now looks at Goblet of Fire or even Half the Prince, and they say, yeah. "Well."
2: But but at and, the same time, I think they could show some of those scenes that you're describing a little less innocent, a little more innocent, I should say. Um, for example, remember how they handled the whole Harry flashback to. Um, seeing his parents die, where they just showed the green flash. I mean, they don't have to show him physically dying. They could just show a green flash and show him on the ground. Right. Which right. is in. I mean, it, it gets a point across, but at the same time, it's not that disturbing. Um, one thing I am concerned about, though, is like, cru- how do you pronounce it, Crucio? Yeah. The, the curse, I mean, how do you show that? You know, and it plays, that's constantly used throughout the books. So, you know, that kind of thing where it's. I guess they could show pain without, you know, making it too violent, but. You know. Right.
1: An eight-year-old or a ten-year-old even, or anybody seeing a, a person like. The way J.K. Rowling describes the Cruciatus curse in the books is very. It's kind of gruesome, you know. Just like oh, the absolutely. spiders with, with the imposter Moody in the fourth movie yeah. it would be terrifying for a little kid. So, I don't know. I'm really excited to see how it shapes out, and I think it's going to end up being rated PG-13. The movie is out in the United States on November 18th of this year, and Warner Brothers recently released a list of release dates for many countries throughout the world. The Philippines gets the movie the earliest on November 16th, which I would see how they would, because I don't know what time zone they're in. It may be... Further ahead of us, so when it's November sixteenth there, it may be. I mean, they may be behind us. So when it's November sixteenth there, it may already be the seventeenth at midnight here. Well, now I think it's time that we move on to this week's topic. We're discussing Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. The book's been out for three weeks now. Um, What do you guys think? What are your initial thoughts about the book? What do you,
0: what would you? Well, first of all, before we even get to that, I think we should go through a couple stats. There was. 10.8 10.8 million copies for the um, the first run through print. Um, of those, 6.9 million were sold in the first 24 hours, which is amazing. Um, yeah, comparing that's huge. it even to the other Harry Potter books, uh, Borders sold 850,000, Barnes and Noble sold over a million, Amazon had over 1.5 million pre-orders. So um, it was definitely in demand, and I think it was a huge success. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, one thing that I've read the book twice now since it's been released, and um, one thing that I noticed with this book is that it it sound it felt as though J.K. Rowling was she was catching up with herself with information. Um, the book had a lot more narrative than the previous books. Did did you notice that at all? I'm not I, sure. Yeah. It- it, because, and it upset a few people because it wasn't the typical Harry Potter book because it really didn't show Hogwarts all that much. It
0: exactly. showed
2: a lot of back information. But at the same time, in response to that, I mean, I would think that the reason why she fed us this book was because she wants to set it up for the perfect book set. Definitely. Yeah, she, right. she, she wants it so that it's absolutely perfect. And, I mean, she knows it's the last book. She's had those last two chapters written for, you know, what, 13 years. Mm -hmm. And she wants it as perfect as she can make any Harry Potter book. Yeah, and she said so herself that, you know, in the
1: the, the end, it's actually going to be bittersweet for her because, you know, like she's – Harry Potter has basically turned her life from being – a lonely mother on welfare to a billionaire who's living in a multi-million dollar mansion. It's that type of thing.
2: I think she's going to enjoy it. I think she's going to be glad that it's done because she's had so much media exposure that it's hard to live normally. Right. You know, and she said that in her interviews and stuff where they asked her specifically, how are you going to, you know, expose your children to this? And, you know, she said she's trying not to. She's trying to make them – she's trying to make it so they have a normal childhood without all this coverage. Right. Because all that coverage can make any person go crazy, you know? And she's just hoping that life after Harry Potter, it sort of gets back to normal, you know? You see what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Although I think it's going to take a couple of years to, you know, For the aura to die down, you know? Especially since the movies are still coming out Mm -hmm. and she has all that exposure.
1: Now, let's get back to the actual text of the of this new Harry Potter book. What do you guys what do you guys actually think of the book itself? Was it the best in the series? Was it where does it rank in terms of her past writing? This this new book?
0: I've been for each book. I've been saying each one has been my favorite, but I think this one is definitely my favorite just because of the way like Kevin was saying, it's definitely going to be a big transition. It's a big transition to into book 7. And I think it really stands out just because how it, it is really different from the rest of the books. Right, it's
1: it's really an outlier in comparison to books one through five, right. and I thought it was really the best book. Yeah, just the way she integrated everything and how like it sort of reminded me reminded me of Prisoner of Azkaban, where it isn't the old the build up to the Harry fighting Voldemort scene. You know, yeah, it, right, it, yeah. it was just the strength. Just this, it was so much
2: different than the other books that it set it apart, and it was really quite unique. I don't think that it was the best book. Um, I'm very big yeah. on the Hogwarts thing. But at the yeah. same time, well, I really I really do like it the most because of the information. I really felt important that she got that information
0: out. You know. Do you think and, Harry's going to keep with his word? Not going to Hogwarts and not go, like you said? Oh, it very I,
2: I'm fairly positive. Not because Harry said it, but because J.K. Rowling wrote it. She tends to... Uh, be good to her word, and when she writes something like that, she means it, you know what I mean? But Kevin,
1: you need to realize that Harry's going to have to return to Hogwarts, just for the sheer fact that it has so many resources, but I do agree that it's not going to be regular school, and that's going to be understandable.
2: I don't think he's going to be returning to Hogwarts for school, I should clarify that. I think he will be returning for either Horcrux or information, but he's definitely not returning for schooling. I think he's exactly. done with the schooling. Um, I mean, when, when J.K. Rowling wrote that, I don't think she had any intention of making it so that he would never go back. Right. I think she, she meant exactly that. He wouldn't be going back for schooling. Mm-hmm. He's now yeah. old enough to say, yeah. no, I don't want to go to school, and he now has a responsibility that he needs to fulfill, you know, and she gave him every reason not to go back. Exactly. So um, I mean, within this seventh book, she she essentially has what 600, 700 pages to help him find the Horcruxes and then save the Wizarding World. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. And guys... speaking of Horcruxes, did did you guys pick out the um, Horcrux that she mentioned in book
0: five? There's been so many theories on that. Um, We'll get get to that a little bit
1: later. As Andrew mentioned with all the statistics, that within the first edition of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, like all the first edition printing, there were millions upon millions of copies printed. And they're actually misprinted copies, which in the end somehow
0: are going to be worth more. People have, you know when people find their misprinted books, they get all excited. And, you know, it's understandable. But when yeah. you think about it, there's 10.8 million copies. It's bound to happen. You know, yep. people, there there are all kinds of mistakes just from pages missing. People would send us pictures, look at my misprinted book. And, yeah. you know, we were all impressed and everything. But it it's bound to happen. But is it going to be it, rare? I mean, is it going to be worth a lot? I think some hardcore collectors might like to have this. But I, yeah, yeah, but I really don't
1: think it's going to be.
2: I think the the yeah, thing that makes... that's going to be worth money is the signed copies. Those are mm-hmm. always the ones that get the money. Maybe if you have a signed um, misprinted copy, uh, misprinted <laughs> exactly, you're 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 all set. You know, keep yeah. that for ten years and you'll be separate. killing two but. birds with one stone.
1: So in this recent book, ever since the beginning of the series, J.K. Rowling has sort of had the so-called running bits, you know, like if you've read was if you read Wizarding World Press's books, The Ultimate Official Guide to the Mysteries of Harry Potter. Good a recent books, one was good just good out. You should everyone should go out and buy it. But the thing is is that they mentioned these running bits, like the number seven. In each book we continue to mention the number seven with everything.
2: She called a lot of attention to seven this time though. Yes. With it, the, one thing the, that, with the
1: I... horcruxes cruxes in yeah. Horcruxes, cruxes which if any of you, know, you perhaps have forgotten there each each individual piece of Voldemort's soul, which is keeping him immortal at the moment, which Harry must destroy in order to defeat Voldemort and essentially save the Wizarding World. We know what a few of the Horcruxes are. The Marvolo Gaunt's ring, which we saw in the pensive in um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I mean, not, not, not Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, but Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And Tom Riddle's diary was also believed to be a Horcrux. So that's 2 yeah, and Dumbledore has several theories, which he thinks are the Horcruxes. For example, Tom, um, for example, Nagini, Lord Voldemort's stake, snake, which he seems to have quite a bit of control on. And yeah. what do you
2: guys think? Well, this um, is getting this is getting back to what I was mentioning in um, Order of the Phoenix. I mean, there's, she said in that interview with Emerson and Melissa that um, within a week she expects at least some fans to pick out. Um, the word is exactly, but but if you read it carefully, she says at, at least, least yeah. one, meaning she has hidden more than one within the books. Um, mm-hmm. One of them has oh, is almost definite, which is the locket within um, series, the Black's house, I should say, Sirius. You know, um, and that that's a locket that they mentioned they couldn't open. Um, right. A lot of people think that's going to play a vital role, especially since the house has been being robbed, essentially, you know. And That's I'll... one of
0: the big theories, but we'll get into that later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but who else? And then the genie, uh, Voldemort's the... snake. It, I think that would be a very interesting one for Harry to go at and try to... Uh, Kill, yeah. Right, because <laughs> it's, it's uh, 12 feet long, and where is it hiding? Or where is it at?
1: It's Voldemort's it, it's personal snake. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so. <laughs> I have a hard time finding that.
2: Well um, and not to mention, I mean, there's only a few instances that he separates from that snake. So it's gotta be right. one of those things like how do you get the snake along, alone without the master? Right, you know?
1: let but see, I've heard a recent theory about Nagini actually being the snake that Harry released in book one you remember the brazilian python or whatever it was in the yeah. first book that he released from the at the zoo and then it took off you wonder, know that i think it would be very interesting that if that snake turned out to be the one that was nagini
2: it, it really would that that would be uh it, it would make a lot of people mad because it's one of those things that sits right in front of your face for quite a while and you'd never register you know right. and i know that jk rowling has a habit of uh Dropping big things on us like that, you know.
0: And so. then he, she, uh, Nagini, made appearances in what well, we th- possibly book one, book four in the beginning, and then also in book five when Harry saw uh, the snake attacking uh, Arthur Weasley in one of his dreams. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, he, now,
2: now, have you guys heard he that theory that. about Harry? What? Have she you heard, heard that theory about crops? Harry? Yeah. A um, lot of people have been posing that. To me in questions in my email, and I See, just want to know the what thing you guys that, think The about. thing that
1: completely destroys that theory. Many tons of people have sent this in. Something such oh, as Harry's Harry's scar being Horcrux, or Harry himself being Horcrux. Yeah. The a only issue word. here is, is that Harry, the vault that Dumbledore told Harry that he has to destroy each individual Horcrux. horcrux then destroy the one that Voldemort is inhabiting, the one that g- gave him his body back. The thing is, Harry would have to first kill himself and then kill Voldemort in order to save the Wizarding World, which really doesn't seem very likely. What well, I think, think
2: that's why they suggested the scar, because I believe if... Um, remember the first book when Dumbledore introduced um, Harry, and uh, McGonagall, I believe, made a comment about Harry's scar and Dumbledore removing it? And he said, even if I could, um, scars tend to come useful every once in a while. I have one of yeah, I a perfect map that. of yeah. the yeah. London yeah. Underground. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, well, he suggested removing it. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people have been sending to me, and I mean, I'm not, sh- I, I can't make a clear judgment whether it's, you know, a possible theory or not. But they've been saying that it's possible that Harry will have to remove his own scar and break the connection between him and Voldemort. completely. But yeah, that that is very interesting that the
1: scar seems to be a central thing throughout throughout the entire the entire books because it's what it connects does. Harry to Voldemort at the very and It's, so it's what people. identified Harry. Yeah. You know, it's a thing what that people... so many
0: people think he's a horcrux. So everyone thinks and, and well. And in a recent
1: interview with J.K. Rowling, Emerson asked if if the last word of book 7 is still scar. And J.K. Rowling said that right now it is. So I think that I do agree with you now that even though Dumbledore didn't know about the Horcruxes initially in book one, he didn't find out about that until after the, the Tom Marvolo Riddle diary. So exactly. it does make sense mm-hmm. that he says scars come in handy, and in yep. the end, Harry, Harry's scar does come in handy in defeating Lord Voldemort. That is and very interesting.
2: and I think it would be ironic, you
1: know. It would be yeah. like yeah. the
2: perfect the thing the,
1: that Voldemort used to mark Harry that has made him so it's famous. It's a thing that will kill him. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: but the thing the thing that I think the thing that I think is going to be very difficult is Harry finding all the horcruxes. He's still there are still several of them up in the air. And there's, and there's
2: right. You see nah, one it, thing that I was upset with this book is that it didn't seem I think J.K. Rowling mentioned it in Emerson and Melissa's interview. Um, She mentioned that he has a lot of resources that we don't realize yet. Mm
0: -hmm. But what upset
2: me was I was expecting Harry to um, do do at least some – put some effort into learning things that normal students wouldn't. Because at the end of Book 5, he knew that Voldemort was back. Um, He had started Dumbledore's Army. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like he forgot about, you know, like forgot about yeah. the danger and stuff. And I'm not sure about you guys, but if I was, if I knew someone was coming to kill me, I'd do everything possible to learn and the, the skills train, that would protect me
1: and train your you friends. Know? You know, your friends exactly yeah. the same things. Yeah, and I a think lot of Harry... people were
2: upset about Dumbledore's army.
1: Yeah, like, I wish yeah. it would have returned. But it did come in you it did come in handy yeah, That was a very popular subject. And they carried they, 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 yeah. they continually carried yeah. around those rings.
2: I mean not those rings, but those yeah. coins, coins that they Communic- used to lure yeah, at for communication. And oh which gosh. was I think that was another slap in the face in this book because <laughs> Cause Draco cause used work. those yeah. as a way to infiltrate Hogwarts. So yeah. you know, I think that was another thing like J. K. Rowling was trying to point out that Although, the good side has a lot of resources. The bad side also does. You know, should try and balance it.
1: Right? Hasn't? Has Draco been branded with the dark mark yet, or do we know? Yes.
2: It? Well, we. I mean, they don't know it for sure, but they have a suspicion but see, because the, of the him thing, covering up his arm. But see, the issue is, right. is that.
1: Hermione admitted that the way I, where, where she got the idea for those coins to communicate was from Voldemort having the Dark Mark branded on the Death Eater's arm. Yep. Why, why couldn't Draco use the, his arm? Is that what he used, or what did he? Did he use a coin? I don't remember. He used
2: a coin. He used a coin to uh, contact Rosemerda. I think. Um, the thing is that is that he used the Dark Mark. Rosemary doesn't contact, have the dark mark, right? So. Exactly, and also, I mean, one that would be a dead giveaway, and two, from what they were saying, Voldemort carries like the the one mark that can contact the rest. Right. Callie I don't. Carmine, I don't think exactly. One exactly. I don't think it's like a two-way system, so mm. there would be no way of Draco contacting anyone using the dark mark because obviously he doesn't have the one that communicates. You know. I mean, it's all speculation, of course, because there's no written mm-hmm. proof of this, but that's, you know, my guess.
1: Okay, moving on to... Uh, back, sort of moving back to, like, the Horcrux topic. There was one Horcrux that was found when Harry and Dumbledore went out to the cave, and when Harry got back to Hogwarts after Dumbledore's death and all that, he opened it, and there was a note to addressed to Voldemort, pretty much, telling him that he'll never find out who it was and that he knows his secret.
0: And... It was signed with the initials R.A.B., which... And, of course, this has caused so much speculation, and it's almost such an easy um, riddle for everyone to figure out. It really is. I mean, in a way, everyone thinks, oh, we're right, we got this figured out. But are we really right? Is this... Is um, it really regular black? J.K. Rowling might try to be fooling us like this. But see, the thing is, though,
2: that I've... Everyone who read the interview um, will know that Emerson did bring this up in, in that initial interview with J.K. Rowling. One thing that I asked Emerson after he did the interview was, what was the tone at that point? And he said, the way J.K. Rowling was saying it was, you're right on target, but I can't say it. That sure. was the tone of it. You can't get that tone because obviously it's written down. But that is the tone that J.K. Rowling was using. Not to mention the whole argument about introducing new characters. The last thing J.K. Rowling wants to do in the last book is introduce a large amount of new characters.
1: Well, where I disagree with you is that we we need to remember this is J.K. Rowling. She is the queen of deception. But look look in the past books with Mad Eye Moody and things like that. She may have just been trying to throw throw us off, throw us another curveball. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We don't, R.A.B. could very well be regular Black. I could be wrong. It could be glaring in the face, glaring me right in the face. But why couldn't it be someone's nickname? Why couldn't RABs be someone's nickname? Or why, well, see, why couldn't it be
2: someone else? See, the or, thing that... The right. reason why people think it's R.A.B. especially is because going back to that, the locket in the Black's house, it I mean, fits it so would well. make... It, it, exactly. It fits perfectly. I mean, if the... If he did get the locket, that means he has to stash it somewhere. And right. she did clearly mention the locket in Order of the Phoenix. Right, so, right. you know that One there's person... a locket that can't be opened within um, within the Black's house, right. and R.A.B. Yeah. is the initials of
0: Regulus Black. His middle name could be Alfred
2: A.L.P. Yeah.
0: Right, his uncle. And, yep. you know, it fits so perfectly that... It does, Tom... Um,
2: But at the same time, she could just be pulling a big joke and laughing at us. It could stand for Ryan and Bertha. Exactly. And and that's one of the arguments that they've made. Um, The argument that people have made is that did Regulus put the locket there or did he take the locket and replace it? And if he took the locket and replaced it, how did he do it alone? Because clearly – you know, Dumbledore was not able to do that alone, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and even in that case, why would Voldemort trust Regulus to put it in place? So so it's one of those things that people will be debating about until the release of the seventh book. Until, yeah, right. until you finally have all the answers. I, I, I do think it's Regulus, but there's no, like everything Definitive in Harry Potter, fruit. there's no,
0: exactly. And you know what, right. another point, he, he was a Death Eater, and only Voldemort's followers called him the Dark Lord. So when yep. he addressed him, the Dark Lord, it it a lot of, it clicked on with a lot of people. Yeah, that's
2: true.
1: Also, um, during during book six, we saw Harry had a run-in with Mung Dungus Mung Fletcher, in in Hogsmeade where, Dung was trying to sell the the, the silver goblets from, number twelve Grimald Place. So do you guys think it's possible that done and could have sold the locket that is the horcrux in order that Harry needs to find to destroy Voldemort. I Definitely. think it's
2: quite possible. I yeah, mean, she, she doesn't mention something for nothing. You know, there's always a purpose to her mentioning things mm-hmm. and right. there's there's no reason to believe she didn't do this with McGundis, you know. So. Yeah.
0: And she's been up to no good. So she she has.
2: It's, I mean, she's been deceiving us all the way. But I think she enjoys it because she gets to hear the theories that mm-hmm. people are, you know.
1: See, in book seven, Harry's going to have to find some way to be able to track down these Horcruxes. There has to be something that identifies them. Because why couldn't why couldn't Voldemort just make like some old boot a Horcrux? You know, it's it's that type of thing. I know it's going to be the founders' items, but like I said, then he's going to have to return to Hogwarts to do some research, like. It was Gryffindor's sword, you know, or could it? What could it be? Um, the the item of Ravenclaw's.
2: Well, well, from what people say, um, it's definitely not Gryffindor's sword. Um, reason being is that Dumbledore had knowledge of the Horcruxes by the time he received the sword, and he said he inspected it thoroughly. So, I'm fairly sure that Dumbledore didn't miss anything. man. Um, yeah. you know. She's made it clear that he has made mistakes, but at the same time, he's very powerful, and he's not one to uh, let something sit in front of his nose without realizing.
0: These horcruxes, they're just so involved and in-depth that it it seems to me that all of Book 7 is going to be dedicated to these. And it can almost be called Harry Potter and the Seven Horcruxes. You know, although that would be pretty lame. It, yeah, it it would. But, yeah, no, yeah I mean, the, would, the whole topic say. of the book is
2: going to be the Horcruxes. Um, right. It's going to be that and him training. I think that Harry's going to be, have a difficult job just trying to find the Horcruxes. Oh, of course, because he's, do, he's doing it almost alone. Right. I mean, I don't see, to be honest, I don't see Ron and Hermione leaving. Mm-hmm. I don't see right. them leaving. Although, at the same time, they did pose the – J.K. Rowling did pose the um, – Possibility that Hogwarts won't be open, mm-hmm. in which yeah. case they'd be available f- to help them. But I don't see, if it is open, I don't see them leaving Hogwarts. So I'm fairly sure that Harry has to do this largely on his own.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, um, and that's some job.
1: Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Well, then now that we've looked at like you know more of the heavier aspects of Half Blood Prince, there's something that I really enjoyed in this book was that what I thought was actually missing from Book Five and Book Four is the the romance that happened in in Book Six and how we saw the relationships develop more and how Harry, how Ron and Hermione have actually started to become more into each other and yep. how Harry. Start, fell basically started to fall in love with Ginny, and I just thought that it's been a a really nice touch in comparison to other books. What do you guys? This think? is another
0: an example of how this is a big transition book, where a, a lot of things have changed, and this this book has sort of settled the um settled the score with all the relationships, and who's dating who, and who's snogging who. Right. You know, it's just everything's pretty set now. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of she people were expecting that. Yeah, because
2: right. I mean, if you think about it, how old are they now, you know, they're teenagers, and all teenagers go through that stage. And a lot of people were wondering how she would approach the relationships, mm-hmm. because it's a very difficult thing to just bring up relationships like that without um, focusing entirely on them. You know, so so I think she actually did a pretty a fairly decent job. I mean the. A lot of people were disappointed about the um, Harry and Hermione thing. But Mm -hmm. um, other, I mean, it did. It disappointed quite a few people. And it's also kind of a touchy subject. (laughs) It it is a touchy subject, but at the same time, you know, they have rights to their own opinions. And um, this is the way J.K. Rowling chose to write it. I think that
1: Harry and Hermione, like in fan fiction stories... And that ship, so to speak, is actually—I I kind of enjoy seeing those two two characters be dating and stuff. But personally, I think I think it's quite apparent now that it really has no place in the canon series. Well, Except it's for, not
2: only that; it's that J.K. Rowling couldn't write this in-depth relationship because Harry has to focus on his goal, mm-hmm. and I mean. It's it would be too distracting for him to have someone there for him, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, so I think she was thinking, JK Rowling was thinking at one point that when she was beginning to write the series that it could be a possibility. But then she realized that there's no way I can write this in because it's breaking um breaking Harry from his goal, you know, it's Right, it's diverting Harry, Harry needs Hermione
1: for other things not to be his lover, so to speak. And people need to realize that the books aren't entirely about romance. It's about this this it's the classic story of good versus evil and it's about this, this kid who's trying to save the Wizarding World, not about his girlfriend and who he's snogging this But movie. at the same time
2: people would just love to see Harry Get the girl at the end,
1: and also, but see, I do see what I do see where J.K. Rowling's coming from because love is actually the central theme in this book. You know how Harry wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for his mother's love. And but right
0: now, in book six, it's sort of like there's no time, or in book seven, probably there's not going to be any time for Ron to be, you know, hanging out with Hermione or Harry to be. Right, the, you the know.
1: relationships aren't going to be like the typical high school or school relationship. The thing is, is that. Love is the, the power that Harry has. Love is the power that the Dark Lord knows not. So, and, and the, the issue becomes is that there may not be time for the traditional romance, but Harry and Hermione are, I mean, not Harry, Harry and Ginny, that relationship is still going to be there. And so is Ron and,
2: Ron and Hermione. But I think it's going to be like a friend's relationship, to be honest. I mean, well, of he, he, he he made it clear why he didn't want to get involved with Ginny. but see, And I think that she understood his reasoning. Right, I kind of have because a he's lo- that, though. He, he's lost everyone close to him, and he has no reason to believe that he's not going to lose Ginny if he does, indeed, yeah. start. There, were, there was actually some excellent foreshadowing
1: in this book. In Professor Slughorn's, in one of the classroom scenes, there's this potion that makes you smell like the person that you desire most, pretty much, like, like Basically, what turns you on the, the the pheromones that you like the most, and then we hear Hermione say she smells freshly mowed grass and stuff, and then then Harry mentions that he smells a flowery scent that he previously thinks that he's sniffed at the at the burrow. Yes, yeah. and the burrow and Ginny, you know. So there's really this foreshadowing that went on, and if anybody's seen things such like Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two, where Peter Parker tells tells her oh, we can't be together, I don't want to put you in jeopardy, that type of thing. I think it's the same exact thing with Harry, that it, it, the relationship with Jenny is not over. <laughs> he may have told her, I don't want this to, I don't want to put you in danger, but she's going to be in danger anyways with things running rampant like this, and Harry's still going to be best friends with Ron, so wouldn't killing Ron, his best friend's sister, do the same exact thing as killing his girlfriend? So I feel that I don't think the relationship's over, that it's still going to continue to happen, and that, I don't know, I think it just
2: helps to spice up the book, so to speak, a lot more than when there's a lack of romance. And I think it also makes it a little more realistic. I mean, you, you can't expect these people to go through their lives without relationships. You know exactly. So they're they're not immune to the uh, effects. So right, and we've we've
1: started seeing we started to see hormones run wild as these as these kids start to mature, yeah. and it's been really it's quite a different change, and it's really been nice. Yeah. Well, now that we've discussed a lighter topic, there was a major death that upset quite a few people in Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, which was the death <laughs> It's okay, Kevin. Which was the death it's of the him. <laughs> uh, which was the death <laughs> which was Kevin's the death to cry, of, baby.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And, which which was and. the death
1: of Albus Dumbledore. And there was a recent website that was released that dump if you guys want to take a look at it, it's Dumbledore is not where they support everyone, like where they try to make a front where they prove that Dumbledore really is not dead, and that Snape was acting on Dumbledore's orders, and that he really didn't actually
0: cast the Killing Curse. What do you think, Andrew? Right. Well, first of all, I think this site is very convincing, and they have a lot of um, good reasoning behind everything that they put into here. Um, I was just going to go look at it now.
1: I think that one of their most convincing points about it is that how in this book they stressed on the the spells where you don't have to actually say it out loud, non-verbal spells and couldn't Snape be saying Avada Kedavra but at the same time be saying some other fake spell in his head that caused Dumbledore to shoot up like that another thing right. is, is that on, in all the other books when we've seen a, a major character or just any character be killed by the killing curse they don't get shot 50 feet in the air like Dumbledore was. They just normally, what happens is they just collapse and they die. So there really are some things that are kind of different about it, you know. And the thing about this site is that even if it didn't convince me that Dumbledore really is not dead, in the end it helped convince me that Snape is not um, Voldemort's pet. He's really on the good side, which is really up to anybody's opinion. But I still think the evidence
0: is there. Although... Go ahead. At the end, when he was running away from the Hogwarts grounds with Mal, with Draco, everyone was very angry at Snape.
2: You know, oh, of course, he was yeah,
0: trying to avoid, right, right. But
1: see, do you notice how um, Snape didn't do anything to Harry, and he said um, he's the Dark Lord's. Everyone go or whatever. I didn't understand why he couldn't have captured Harry and taken Harry to the Dark Lord. Why would he have to wait around and wait for the Dark Lord and Harry to meet well, on their own? You see and that? it's Are you not only that. I, yeah,
2: yeah. I, it's not only that. I think that he, a lot of people use the main reason a lot of people think that Snape is still good is that it's out of character for Dumbledore to be begging for his life. Yeah. That that that. Or begging, or
0: just begging Snape in the first. Place. Yeah, exactly.
2: And that that and,
1: website, DumbledoreIsNotDead.com, really made an interesting point, is that, I think, I believe it was in the, in the first book, that Dumbledore tells Harry, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next greatest adventure. If this is the case, why would someone who is so basically intrigued and interested in death be so scared of it and be pleading for his life? Exactly. So but at it, the
2: same time, I, I, I really do think that Dumbledore is dead, uh, just for the reason that J.K. Rowling said clearly in her interview with uh, with Emerson and Melissa that it had to come. Right. You know. I, I agree with you that Dumbledore was, was a perfect a, setup
0: for book seven.
2: Exactly. Right. And, I mean, he was not to, like, mischaracterize him, but he was sort of the crutch that Harry was leaning on. Right. And yep. Harry so had to. Exactly. I mean, now Harry's on his own, and it sets it up perfectly for um, what Harry has to do, right? But and I think I, the I reason didn't... he was
0: pleading for his life was because he was caught off guard. He didn't see Snape as uh, uh, a predator, and right. But there, uh, there he probably two... should have paid attention to but Harry at the more. Say, but at there, the there say, are two I... sides of that. Yeah.
1: Well, there's one way. Definitely. If you look at it one way, is that Dumbledore, Hagrid says he overhears Snape and Dumbledore talking, and Dumbledore, and Snape says that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Which which really th- raised a flag in my mind is that Dumbledore made Snape promise to go through with the plan and to kill him if he had to. So... <laughs> When Snape comes out and gives Dumbledore the disgusted look like it says in the book, it's not that he's disgusted at Dumbledore, that he hates this man so, so much. It's that he's disgusted with himself with what he's about to do. And when Dumbledore says, Severus, please, it's not, Severus, please don't kill me. It's Severus, please finish me off. Go through the plan. Your position is far too, far too vital to jeopardize. You see what
2: I'm saying? And And that it was necessary. Absolutely necessary. And Dumbledore understood that. In the end, Harry has to be the one who kills Voldemort. It's right. stated in the prophecy, and he stated clearly that ne- neither of them had to follow it, but they both were. Okay. another so thing. Oh, go ahead. It, well, it's clear that Harry has to kill Voldemort, and I think that because Snape is on the inside, and because Snape is um, powerful, what with ocul how do you pronounce that? Acumency. Yeah. Acumency. Um, exactly. He, just because of his position, he, like you said, he's too vital to spare. And Dumbledore is sitting on the sidelines while all this stuff is going on. I mean, I'm sure he realized what he had to do, you know? Now,
0: another thing um, that is interesting, or the question is, um, we saw obviously Dumbledore died, and then when Harry went back into his office, uh, Dumbledore's picture was... Above his desk, and he was sleeping. Now, right. is Harry gonna be able to have any communication with the portrait? Because the portraits can talk, right. but can they offer the same information? Kevin and dead?
1: Kevin and I discussed this before, and we we basically came to the conclusion that it transfers their personality, but not like all the information oh, okay. that they have. Yeah. So, and
2: and uh, I mean, she's she's hinted at that as well. Um, the the mean the portraits that portrayed mean. Um, or evil people tended to be evil. You know, they didn't have yeah. any memories other than the memories they gained while being a portrait. Right. J.K. Rowling
0: never really explained to us She how that really works. didn't. So she really do you, didn't. Do you think Harry is gonna just assume? Do you think he's gonna try, or because I think I would think he would at least approach the picture.
2: Yeah, and, and not, not to mention happened. why? Why would someone become a portrait and not a ghost and has it see, been I, don't,
1: I don't think that has it I, I think that if if it could if you if the case was that say Harry's parents are dead, why couldn't he just have portraits made of them then exactly. talk to him, you see? So right. I really don't think that it really it's really Dumbledore in the portrait. It's just, it's just a, a mirror of his personality. Yep, that right. that makes the most sense because I don't see it very fitting that it transfers over and it's actually the person in but the But at portrait. the same
2: time that could be useful to Harry as well because right. Dumbledore seemed to be the person who focused Harry the most and maybe just a glimpse of his personality will contribute to Harry in the 7th book you know and so that's what is, people have been hinting at
0: is McGonagall going to take over for Dumbledore if well school if, goes if,
1: if Hogwarts is open I, I think that the, they mentioned that she was the newly the newly appointed headmistress so right. you know, yeah she said I that th- yeah so I think that the school opens. It's going to be her, but the thing is, we're going to, we're going to be missing a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher and a Transfiguration teacher.
2: That's also see. A lot of people brought that up to me in emails as well. Um, McGonagall asked Harry what happened, and Harry refused to tell her. And a lot of people um, he
0: thought that was strange. Because he just well, had Harry a personal said it was relationship because, with right. That's with the, Harry said he wanted to keep. Well, Harry said he wanted... It was personal between himself and Dumbledore. So, I... You know, he was probably too shooken up at that point, too. But I also think Harry's not really ever going to explain it fully to anyone. It's because
1: he hasn't forged the relationship with... With McGonagall that he's had with Dumbledore over these past few yeah, years, that's true. you know, he said that he's still Dumbledore's man, you know, mm-hmm. and that he's going to continue to remain loyal to what Dumbledore was trying to do and how Dumbledore was trying to save the, in essence, save the Wizarding world. So it's really, it's quite important that Harry continue to feed off the knowledge that Dumbledore gave him, yep. and McGonagall's certainly not nearly as vital as. Dumbledore was to Harry and that it's really time for Harry
2: to go out on his own. Yep. Definitely. Um one of the other things someone brought up to me is the um penesive um, yeah. yeah, what what happens with um, Dumbledore's memories? I think the memories will still be there because I, I just I don't know
1: why why the memories would disappear because and, he's extracting the memories. Exactly. For, and for to see
2: that's the thing that people were bringing up what, what do you, Dumbledore knowing that he's going to do something vital and something extremely dangerous, what would a man who knows that he's facing this huge danger put into something that could store his thoughts and his memories you know, they think that it's going to play a part in what Harry does because he may be able to access some of the memories that Dumbledore possibly left for him
1: overall book 6 was basically a a twist in the series and another really one was, of the yeah. many twists that JK Rowling has continually throw at continued to throw at us and i really do expect great things for book 7 and it's really going to be sad Everything's to see set up the, now so yeah. yeah it really it's going to be sad to see the series end and it is, i don't it i don't really understand is. how JK Rowling can say that the book is going to be shorter than than order the Phoenix when she has all of these loose ends to tie in. I just
0: well, I I, did she ever say it was going to be short? I remember she said that in
1: the, in the in the interview with um, Emerson and Melissa. Well, she she calls. said she I,
2: she said specifically, and I agree with her fully. Um, it's as long as it has to be. Right. She she it's, you don't write a book for length; you write a book for content. So yeah. when you after you're done writing the book, you look at it and you go, "Wow, this stretched this many pages." You don't. Write the book specifically to fill up pages, you know. So I think that J.K. Rowling is going to make it as long as she needs to make it, and right. in this case, she she thinks as of now it may be shorter, but she really doesn't know. You and know? she
0: said she has to have a lot of time to say goodbye, so there's exactly. going to be a lot of yep. stuff. Definitely, right. like Ben said, loose ends. So,
1: and I guess this ends the the pilot edition of MuggleCast. If you have any questions or, and or suggestions, please visit mugglenet.com slash mugglecast for all of our contact information. Also, you can see all the information to subscribe to this feed, how to access us through iTunes, and see our show notes. Tentatively, next week we plan on discussing the fourth movie, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, more in-depth. So, I guess I'm Ben Shane. I'm Andrew Sims. And I'm Kevin Steck. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll hopefully see you all next week. That's all.
0: Good.